today. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor at the Grove Church, and I have once again Mark Freeman. What's up? Woohoo. Yeah, man. Yeah, executive pastor at the Grove Church, and we have been talking about discipleship. We spent some time talking first about just kind of what that word even means, what is discipleship, and looked at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where it talks about first being baptized, being someone who is a transformed believer in the gospel, but then that the big picture idea of being a disciple is someone who is being taught how to obey everything that Jesus commands. And that's kind of a, it's kind of a big thing. And then, you know, like people talk about that, talk about discipling and talk about one person discipling another person. So last time we talked about the importance of having a mentor or what is kind of essential as far as having somebody else on that journey with you. But as we go back, as, as I've been thinking about this, Mark, you know, in Matthew 28, you know, it says that teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So we have here Jesus saying, like, if you want to be my disciple, what a disciple does, what a disciple is, is someone who obeys everything I've commanded. And that just feels like a lot of weight. That just feel, that feels, feels very heavy that there's just a lot to that. And, and I think about contrasting that with Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which is kind of a, like a real critical theological verse for the church as a whole, certainly for us at the Grove Church, where Paul says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so we really emphasize that to the really base what Paul is saying is, is there's not a good thing that you can do to earn the favor of God. <laughs> but in order to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to do everything. So you get to be the <laughs> resident theologian today in our podcast, and you can just kind of help me bring any level of clarity to that that you would like. Oh, man. I tell you what, that, that, that is the tension because uh, I mean, what you just said from Ephesians is just, it's so critical. And so it seems like the two are at war with one another. And, um, but we know that the heart of the gospel that we cannot get away from is that it is that this grace of God is something that's, that's given and not earned. So, um, so we can't miss it, but it's real dangerous because when we go down that road and we start talking about obedience, I mean, naturally, <laughs> how much are these things required? Right. You know, is the, is the question that we, that we start to battle with. And I'll just, I mean, from my story, you know, we shared a little bit last time, um, you know, I, I real quickly began to take those things and bring too much attention to whether I was doing them or not doing them. And as I started trying to help other people grow, I think that's one of the things that I wished I hadn't passed that I did, that I did pass. I brought so much attention to the actions, um, that the, the reason for the actions started to get Mm. lost a bit. And, um, You know, I just think about all of the relationships in my life that are meaningful and loving. My marriage relationship, my relationship with my with my children. I mean, there are things that a dad has to do. And then there's this whole other list of things that that I do as a father because I'm driven by by a love for them. You know? Yeah. And um man, I can't imagine what a lifeless, loveless household we would have if I did all the things I was supposed to do because I was supposed to do them. I got up right. in the morning, I'm like, man, I'm supposed to do these things. And if I do these things, then, you know, and not driven by a, by a real love 
from a family. We obsess a little bit over the word required. What is required of me in order to be a Christian? Well, no, no, I mean, believe, believe and trust in Jesus. Hey, you know, I just use trust in Jesus because it's by grace. Jesus, Jesus did all the work. There's nothing, nothing is required. Oh, if, if nothing is required of me, then that means I don't have to do anything, which is just, I don't know if that's a uniquely American thing. I don't know if that's an American Christian thing, but somehow that if I say it's not required of you, you don't have to do it. I mean, I, I don't mean, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I mean, that was the first thing that I did on syllabus day in college for four years. You pull out the syllabus, you know, they would be assigning homework and you're like, do you have to turn it in? Because you know, if I don't have to turn in the homework, I'm not going to do it. If it's not, if it's not, if you're not grading it, I'm not doing it. Mm. And I think we bring, we bring a, we bring a work mindset. We bring a school mindset to what it means to be a Christian as opposed to what you just did, which is a, a relationship mindset. What is required of me to be married to my wife? I, I pledge. I pledge. That's it. I pledge. I pledge to be your husband. Now, Heidi is my wife. And like, I'm, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm married now. And there's nothing that is required of me. But if I could just tweak yet, words a little bit. What is necessary for me? Everything. I mean, I, I, I need to give her everything that I have. I need, to, I need to, to serve her and love her and get to know her and pursue her. And I mean, just it's, it's all necessary, even if it's not required. And I think we've got to figure out a way to, to uh, straddle the line. I don't know if that's the right. I mean, walking a really fine line there, because I think, I, th- I think churches or ministries can go bad either either direction mm. where we say because it's all free nothing's necessary you know no, nothing you know nothing is necessary it's nothing, i don't have to do it or we can so talk about obedience 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 that we lose sight of of the, of of the gospel and that and that it was it was freely given so maybe we could go back a little bit to your story like um did you ever find yourself at a time where you feel like you kind of lost the thread a little bit and started just being real work sorting and what was that like and how did, how did you get out? Yeah, I, I definitely did. In fact, I, I will often refer to myself as a recovering legalist because I feel like that's um, my, my makeup and um, being in that place where I did. I mean, I started to take some pride in verses memorized or, um, you know, uh, times that I had taken that gospel and shared it with someone else or books of the Bible that I had studied in depth, you know? Um, and, but, you know, I, I started to feel the lifelessness of that and also the, the expectations of, of more and more and more and my value somehow being tied to how much more. And um, it was actually a book that I read. So talking about different people speaking into our lives, there was a book by a guy named Brennan Manning uh, called The Ragamuffin Gospel that somebody handed to me. And it was just, man, I'm talking, you know, I think he even says this, uh, you know, 90 proof grace, just a Mm. book of a lot of, you know, audacious statements about the love of God being so big. And some of what we're talking about today, like um, things that were hard for me to hear because I had gotten so far in the other ditch and um, actually named our second child uh, after Brennan because Mm. it, it was so, um, impactful to me to pull me back to center. Right. I, li- I like your use of the word value because I think that can really help us help us a little bit in our understanding of kind of 
this very fine distinction we're making between required and necessary. Like, what can you do to increase your value in the eyes of God? What can you do to decrease your value with God? The answer to both of those questions is nothing. There isn't anything that I can do. You, at our worst, in our sin, um, God declared us to be so valuable that he sent his own son to die for us. So we are, we are forgiven and loved and, and, and God sacrificed the most precious thing, the most important person in the, you know, I mean, and, and, and he gave his life. He gave his life for us. You don't, there's what, 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 like plus what, like plus, like plus what? And then the scriptures talk about that, you know, that you've been, we've been justified. We've been made right. It talks about that, um, that we, we are adopted as his God's sons and daughters it talks about that. He's kind of put his, he's put his seal on us. And so it also tells us there's nothing, I can't add anything to what Jesus did. And once God has put his seal on us, once he has adopted me, that that's it. I'm, I, I am his, you can't, you can't lose that. Your value is set. And again, I think it is only the warped, twisted mind that responds to um, this incredible display of sacrificial love and says, oh, that means I can do whatever I want. So obedience, is it, is it the word obedience? Is, is, is that the problem? Like obedience, is, is, that, is that a triggering word? Is there, is there a better word? Or is it like, man, we just need to redeem that because I, I don't obey my wife. I don't, I mean, you use this illustration of being a dad, um, you know, you're not obeying your kids. Is obedience a bad word or is it, is it the word and we just need to figure it out? Well, it, you know, it goes back to a little bit, I think the first um, of this series when you, um, you know, <laughs> you said uh, that Jesus leads out in Matthew 28 with all authority on heaven on earth has been given to me. You know, we Obedience is scary, because, but we like to bring him down just because his love is that great, just because right. his love is that big, just because he has done all that for us doesn't make him any less king, doesn't make him any less creator, God, who has the authority to, to say that this is, what, this is the way life should look. And then also to adopt that you know, we, we believed and bought in and follow him because we believe that the best life is found there. You know, right. if, if we didn't believe that, you know, just like you're talking about getting married, you wouldn't have pledged it. Right. If you didn't think that life would be better living um, in unity with, with your bride, you know, so then why would you not do that then? If you really thought that that's the best life was found there, then why would you commit and then not, not do that? That's good. I think a lot of this does come from, at least historically with Christian, American Christianity, um, an over obsession with heaven. So heaven is the carrot, right? Hey, believe in God and you get to go to heaven. That's the carrot. And the stick is, well, if you don't, if you, if you disappoint God, then you don't get to go to heaven. Well, if you teach that the, the stick is gone and the only carrot is heaven. And so now that's not up for debate anymore. Then it, 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 it actually makes a perverted sense that therefore I can do whatever I want as because if, if that's all that's going on here, but if the King of the universe sacrifices himself for you and shows you a huge display of love, there's two things there. One he's the King and two, an overwhelming amount of love. If, if our response isn't love service, obedience, we've missed the thread here somewhere. 
Right. And, and also uh, that's, that's such a good point. And thinking future tense kingdom also keeps us from trying to, you know, bring the kingdom here, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our life and in our relationships. And I mean, it's possible that we could experience that kingdom's presence by our obedience. So, um, but if it's, if you're only thinking future tense, then, right, you know, I better live it up while I can. And I'm not trying to be tricky here, but did you notice that I was reading Ephesians 2 that I stopped one verse short? No, oh, I missed it. You didn't notice? Okay, so uh, 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Lots of times we stop there, like memory verse packets will stop there, but that is, you have not gotten to the end of Paul's thought. Paul's thought on this ends with verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's got got several little plays on word there that Paul's doing. It's like, you have not been saved by your works. Otherwise, you would be able to brag about it. It is a complete gift. It is is completely by grace from God. But you, you, you are the work. You are the handiwork. You are a sculpture. You are a piece of art. You are the thing that is being worked. God is working you. So, so again, God is doing work. So I am shape. He is shaping you. He is molding you to do good works. So it's not your works that save you. You're the work. God's doing a work in you, but he's doing this work in you so that then you will do works. So I think it is very often there, there's an order problem. We've talked this a lot. If you've, if you've ever joined us on a Sunday or um, you, you've been in a part of the Grove, we, we talk about this, that there's, there's an order to this. It begins with the gospel. Then it's the transformative work that God does on the inside. He's doing work. And then once God has done his work, then, then we can work. But if we, get that, if we get that out of balance, I've got to do the work so that God will do something for me so that then I can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. You're always just going to be, you're going to be completely out of balance. So, and you're very frustrated. <laughs> yes. But even these good works, so you're, you're the work created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. Mm-hmm. So God already, he already did all the, he, he, he did already did a lot of the work. He did the work in you. He laid out your path. He's prepared the works for you. Now you just walk. And um, it's, it's, it's really cool. And, and, and I feel like that we have, I don't want to say that we've overcomplicated this because it is, it, it's, it's a deep thing. But I, I don't think it's quite as impossible to understand as we've made it. This idea of God, God gave me this awesome life for free. He's the king of the universe, and it is a natural response to obey. Mm-hmm. So knowing we've got a, um, a wide variety of people listening, we maybe have some people who are like, who are stuck in, it's all free. I don't have anything to do. I don't, I don't need to, I don't, I don't have to obey. I'm just, I'm just. What advice would you give that person? And then maybe you've got somebody who is feeling a lot of anxiety about a tenuous relationship with God because they're not being good enough. What advice would you give them? Oh, the two different yeah, groups? Two, two, two different pieces of advice, one for each group. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to both, Charlie, for me, it, it's uh, if, if my relationship with Jesus is at the core of who I am and I, and I love him deeply— and that's, he has my attention and that's what's driving my actions. Um, then there's, there's life there. There's power there to, to do those things. 
um, there's, there's grace there. But the minute that it shifts to, you know, what I'm doing and I'm looking at myself, then the whole, the whole thing starts to fall apart. So it's the person who's, who's saying, you know, I, well, I don't have to do anything. This is free. Then, um, then my, my question would be, you know, so, so walk me back through how you met Jesus and, and in your love for him. And, um, you know, you mentioned John 14, 21, um, and it is, I mean, it, it says those who have my commands and keep them, they're the ones who love me, that there's this, this love driving this, um, this obedience. And, um, and then on, on the other side, if, if too much attention is brought to the works, um, and you're saying that you're frustrated, like, I feel like I'm not keeping up enough, then, then, then his grace abounds, right? you know? Well, you cheated there a little bit, but I really loved what you said. I told you to give two pieces of advice. You just gave the one because really both problems are very similar and that we don't really fully understand the gospel. We don't really understand what that display of love that Jesus, of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, really what that means. Because if we did, we would not ever struggle with worrying about our position being unsafe. And we certainly would not be unmotivated to mm. love him back. So no matter where you are, go back to the gospel. That's right. That's a good word. Well, and we just, you know, studied through Colossians. How did, how did he word it there? Um, as you began in him. Mm. So continue. That's good. That, I mean, that, that gospel is not something we graduate from. It's something we go deeper into. And so all the answers to these questions all go back to this Jesus is incredible and he's uh, worthy to be followed and obeyed and he's done the work and wants to work in us. And, you know, just as we received him. That's good. Well, I really do hope, I hope you guys that are, that are listening, I really do. I, we, we want you to be motivated to, to be a disciple that you will not allow any fear or anxiety that, um, that somehow that, that, that your relationship depends on this. But we also don't want you to be sitting around thinking that somehow that, you're off the hook just because God's love is unconditional. This is this is something that God is calling each and every one of us to, to become a disciple, to be a disciple, and to make disciples. And so we talked about kind of what that is. We talked about how we need help. We talked about kind of this, making sure we understand the, the balance of this theology behind it. And I hope you will join us next. We're just spend some time just talking about some good, uh, good old-fashioned practical tips. And so we are really glad that you joined us again. Encourage you to join us um, um, at The Grove on a Sunday or online at thegrovechurch.org. Thanks again for being here with us. 